we're at a strange place in our, in our teaching on the Holy Spirit when it comes to the Holy Spirit and His gifts. We're going to deviate just a little bit. I want you to know that there are a whole lot of Christians out there that um, they, they don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and uh, they don't believe in praying in tongues and they're not going to hell for it. Amen? They're not. And an overwhelming majority of people um, in the body of Christ aren't, aren't filled with the Holy Ghost the way we're talking about it in the series. Does that make sense to you? And the Word of God doesn't, doesn't chide, doesn't chastise, doesn't say, you're going to hell if you never pray in tongues, right? Now, we're going to give fair time to why it can be important to pray in tongues, but not tonight. Not tonight. What we're going to talk about specifically tonight is God's indwelling presence. And in this message, we will deal with the subject of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer in the new birth. Just exactly what does the Holy Spirit do in us when we get saved? Don't you think that's important? Amen? And I'm telling you, if the body of Christ would just get a hold of this message alone, even if we didn't say another word, even if we didn't pray for people to be filled with the Holy Ghost like we're going to be doing, uh, and, and, and letting the Lord fill us with the Holy Spirit, amen? Uh, with a prayer language, whatever God wants to do, amen? If I could just get the body of Christ to believe the message I'm going to give tonight, there's nothing we couldn't do. There's nothing we couldn't do, all right? Turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Wow, I must spend a lot of time there. I have my ribbon way over here. And I said, well, I better get to John, right? And I just flipped open right to my text. Sometimes that's just kind of, that kind of crazy, isn't it? <laughs> I also have the text written into my notes, so, and I've got it in even bigger print. That's for a guy like me. So, like I said, in this message, we will deal with the subject of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer at the new birth. In John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17, Jesus said, how many of you got that in red letters in your Bible? It's in red letters. I like red letters. That's Jesus talking. If we didn't have anything but a book with the red letters, if we had to carve the Bible down, the red letters, we could live on them. Why? They're the words from Jesus Christ. Amen? And I will ask the Father, in verse 16 of John chapter 14, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you. Say this with me, forever, forever. One more time, forever, all right? Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now, I like this. You know, further, further in this message, what we're going to do, these are some of my goals. I want us to focus on what it says in the last phrase, that last portion of verse 17. It says, for he dwells with you, say that with me, with you, and will be in you. Say that, in you, in you. He will be with you and will be in you. I mean, that covers everything on the outside and everything on the inside. It doesn't get any better than that. Yes, it does. I'm going to tell, tell you why it gets better, all right? 
Being born again is not just an experience. Rather, it's receiving the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, a divine personality who comes to make his home in you. I like that definition. I'm going to read it again. Connie, you're about to get happy on me, aren't you? Didn't I make you happy? If you're not getting happy, you have me fooled. All right. All right. Being born again is not just an experience. Rather, it is receiving the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, a divine personality who comes to make his home in us. So, there's no reason for any believer to ever feel abandoned by God, comfortless, buried, or lost in bereavement or forlorn. At least not extensively, not excessively, not for long periods of time. Amen? Whenever we're tempted to be buried under some of those attacks, we should be able to lean upon this Holy Spirit that has come to live on the inside of us and not remain forlorn, not remain comfortless, not remain beaten down. Amen? Christ's main purpose for sending the Holy Spirit was so that He, I got that in capital, He, H-E, the Holy Spirit, a divine personality might come to live in us and be in us. There are three main points to this sermon tonight that I want to share with you. One is God for us. How many of you believe God is for us? All right. And the second point is God with us. How many of you believe God is with us? All right. And the third point is God in us. How many of you believe that God is in us? Look, if we, if we just stopped right there, and went home, but really embraced those three truths, everything would be okay. There wouldn't be anything that the devil of the world could do to us that would bury us. Amen? In doubt, fear, and unbelief. The New Testament gives three relational descriptions that God sustains towards man. First is God is for us. To have God be for us, listen to this now, to have God before us guarantees our success. How many times have you heard me say, for the child of God, we cannot be beaten, we cannot be defeated. Um, if I find out that tomorrow that I've got some incurable disease, um, and, and, and then for six months, I, I'm praying with you, I'm believing with you, I have a strong confession, but I die anyway. Do I go to hell because my faith wasn't strong enough to get me healed? You know, the devil tells that lie to, to many people. My, my husband died, or so-and-so died because I did it. No, 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 no. That's not true. If I die in six months, I've I'm, I'm got a strong confession. I've got a prayer life. I've got a bunch of prayer. But I go, I go to be with Jesus. How did I lose anything? How did the devil get any victory? He can only get victory out of that with what people give them, with what they falsely believe. And that's not true victory. Amen? The devil can't derive any real victory from me going to be with Jesus. He can't do it. Amen? So in that light, I, I'm successful. Amen? I'm successful. Let's not allow ourselves to be buried under uh, uh, thought patterns and things and ideas that rise on us, rise up on the inside of us that are contrary to God's word. Because you got to remind yourself of the source of that. It's just the devil. Amen. 
You know, if I, if I were lying to you, uh, then Romans 8.31 would have to be taken out of the Bible. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? In other words, if God is on our side, we're sure to win no matter what happens. You know, I'm telling you, the most powerful thing that I was reminded of was when the Holy Ghost spoke to that one pastor while he was praying for uh, that, that person that had cancer, and, and God let him see by the discerning of spirits into the spiritual realm, and he saw a little demon hanging on that person's lung. Well, you, you know, you can believe the story or not believe it. You know what? I really just don't care. I don't care. I, I knew this man of God, and I believed the story. And, and one of the reasons why I believed it was because of what the demon said. He said, once I saw it, I knew exactly what it was. I spoke to the demon. I told him, in the name of Jesus, get off that lung. And he dropped to the floor, and he looked at me and said, I don't want to, but I have to. I don't want to do what you say. But I have to. Why? Because he said, in the name of Jesus, get off that lung. Do you understand those powerful words? And the demon's response to it, that's powerful. I don't want to get off that lung, but I have to get off that lung. Why? Did some angel show up? No, some man filled with the Holy Ghost who had been shown into the spiritual realm what the cause of that particular lung cancer was. It was directly demon-related, and God showed it to him by the power of the Spirit. And he spoke to the demon, the demon dropped. Then he said, when he said the words to this man of God, I don't want to, but I, I have to, he said, I took advantage. He said, well, then leave. <laughs> In the name of Jesus, leave this place and never come back. And he scurried out the middle aisle of that church in front of everybody, and no one saw it but the, that pastor. And, and ran out through the front door and left and never came back. I think that's pretty powerful. If God is on our side, we're sure to win no matter what happens. If God is for us and you know that he is for you, you can live a fearless life. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. No matter how difficult the situation may be, no matter how dark the clouds are that hang on the horizon, you are calmly assured that you must win in every circumstance because God is for you. Amen? There can be no defeat if, the God, if God is for us. Now, you say, well, but Brother Dennis, what if this happens? Just stop that right there. But, Pastor, what if that happens? Stop that. In the name of Jesus, stop it. All of the circumstances of life are not going to look rosy for you. But did God, did God panic? Is God panicking? You know? No, God's not panicking. You know, the Holy Ghost doesn't flee anybody. I mean, he doesn't flee from any threat. Amen? All right? There can be no defeat if God is for us. And thank God he is for us. Amen? He's for us. Second thought tonight. God is with us. Amen, brother. Preach it. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Second, God is with us. You can also have the assurance that not only is God for us, 
But in every place in life and in every situation, God is with us. God is with us, child of God. No matter what the circumstances may be, if you are a Christian, God is with us. Amen? God is with us. The knowledge of the Word of God along this line should certainly cause your hearts to leap for joy within us and anchor our spirits up in faith and confidence. Under the New Testament or the New Covenant, the Bible says we have a better covenant established on better promises. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6. The Bible says we have a better covenant established on a better promise. Under the covenant in the Old Testament, listen to this. This is powerful. God was for Israel, right? God was for Israel. That was his people. That was his chosen nation. Listen to me carefully because this is the difference. This is the whole and total difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Under the Old Covenant, under the Covenant in the Old Testament, God was for Israel, right? He was with Israel, right? But he was not in them. It makes me cry for them. He was for them. He was with them. But Christ had not yet died on the cross. For their sins he was not in them but the big difference now is amen he's for us he is with us and he is in us he's in us amen amen he's in us that's powerful he's in us all right lastly god is in us in the new testament god is for us god is with us and god is in us now, this is a long note. Let me, let, me, let me share this with you word for word. Of all the great truths in connection with our redemption, this is the pinnacle truth and the reality of our redemption that after God himself recreated us and made us new creatures in Christ and made us his own, then he, in the person of the Holy Ghost, makes our bodies his home in this world. Amen? I mean, that, that, just makes me want, that just makes me want to weep for joy. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, grab your Bibles and go there. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. I'm reading, of course, from the English Standard Version. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? Question mark. Because I'm telling you, the question's still real today. Most Christians really don't ponder this very much. Why? They're not comfortable continuing to do some of the things they're doing while thinking about God watching them do it. And not only is he watching them do it, he's in, he's in there. If you're a Christian, you're a child of God. I mean, he's real close. Amen? He's real close. And, by the way, he doesn't want you to be comfortable doing those things you shouldn't ought to be doing. Amen? That's powerful. Amen. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom ye have from God, you are not your own? Well, let me back up here. Right, matter of fact, let me go back to 1 Corinthians 3.16 before I move on to 6.19. 
Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? And then in the Amplified, the same verse, 1 Corinthians 3.16 reads like this. Do you not know and understand that you, the church, are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells permanently in you collectively and individually? That's what the Amplified says. All right? That's pretty powerful. Now, in the English Standard Version, I'll read this again. I've already read it, but I jumped ahead a little by accident. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. Do you realize that you don't have any business doing just any old thing you want to do? Amen? In the Amplified, it says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is within you? whom you have received as a gift from God and that you are not your own property. That's powerful. I don't own myself. Do you know that that says, oh, that's contrary, brother, to um, us being free will agents. Do you know what getting saved is? It's you on your knees asking God, take my free will away. I give it to you, Father, as a gift. That's what you're saying. If you give God your free will, you're pretty much giving him everything. There are certain key things in our lives that if we give to God, makes all the difference. One of them is your free will. You know what the next one is? And some people just don't like this. I remember saying this one time in a service and saw guys get up and stomp out of the church. It's one of the saddest truths that happened. I, don't, I look around the room and I don't see people like that. I said something about money. And the guy got up and walked out, stomped out. And a couple weeks went by, I didn't see him, so I went to see him. I asked him, he said, yeah, well, you talked about money from the pulpit. I said, well, that's very sad. I'm sorry you feel that way. But let me tell you a little secret. If God's got your wallet, he's got your life. Whether you know it or not, or whether you like it or not. If he's got your wallet, he's got your life. How many of you in here work some kind of job? Raise your hand. Why do you think we call that? In the English language, our livelihood. I mean, doesn't it take money to buy groceries? Doesn't it take money to pay the light bill? Doesn't it take money to put gas in your car? So the money that you earn, that's kind of, it's, it's called a livelihood, all right? I wouldn't give it, you know, too much uh, credit or too much power in your life, amen? But if you say, Father, the money that I make, my livelihood, I give to you. If God has your free will and God has your money, he has your life. If you're willing to let him have those things, amen, then he has you. All right? Just, a, just something to chew on. In the Amplified, again, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 reads, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is within you, whom you have received as a gift from God, and that you are not your own property? That's just a reminder. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. In the English Standard Version, it says, What agreement has the temple of God with idols? Pay very close to that, attention to that. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? That's why with these temples, you can't do just any old thing you want with these temples. They don't belong to you. If you have asked Jesus into your heart, it now belongs to him. Amen? 
Isn't that important? Do what now? I'm sorry. 2 Corinthians 6, 16. All right, sorry. Um, 2 Corinthians 6, 16. In the English Standard Version. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God said. I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Now, look at it in the Amplified. I love the Amplified Bible. 2 Corinthians 6, 16 in the Amplified Bible. What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? If we are the temple of the living God, just as God said, I will dwell among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So, through the Holy Ghost, the third person of the Godhead, God himself indwells the believer through the new birth. That's powerful. That, it, it, just that truth alone. God comes to take up residence within you. Amen? Amen? That's powerful, isn't it? No longer does God dwell in the earth made holy of holies. Our bodies have become that place. Our bodies have become his temple. Look now, I'm going to tell you right now. You know, there was something about my life. Uh, the particular item is none of your business, you know. But I'll tell you that there was something about my life that God has been after me about for years. For years. And you don't know how many times, and I don't mind saying this to you because if you're being honest, you'd say the same thing to me that I'm saying to you. All right? Just this week, you know, I'm studying, and God reminded me uh, that he's no longer. You know, when he was in the Holy of Holies, that place on this planet, only people that could go in there and be with him were the high priests, and they'd better be ready. They'd better be prepared, right? Or, and they had bells around the bottom, and they had a rope tied to their ankle. You know what that was for? That if they had not prepared properly and they walked off in that room, they would drop dead. If the bell stopped jingling, they'd yank on the rope a little bit, and if they heard nothing, they'd drug his dead corpse out. And it happened on more than one occasion, I can tell you right now, right? I don't know. There's just something about this last week. You know, messages. That God's been talking to him. And this one thing you say, if I told you, you say, oh, that's just, that's no big thing. Let me tell you something. Anything that God wants to remove from your life ain't no little thing. It's a big thing. It's important, right? 65 years old. 65 years old. And I, I finally just let God have it. Why? 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 Listen to me now. You got to hear this. You got to hear this. Because I thought about it. I said, Wow. You know, that place where people used to drop dead has moved on to the inside of me. And God has said he wants something. I think I'm going to give it to him. You understand what I'm saying? We should be fearful to continue in behavior that God has been saying, I'll take that from you if you let me. And I said, Lord, why did it take me so long? Why did it take me so long? He said, because you did not want to let me take it from you. He said, you know, I said and you know what I wanted to say like an idiot, like a child? Really? Really? I didn't want to let you. That's the only reason. Amen? 
If you want to go on exercising your free will, God will let you. But I said, well, Lord, this is important. I want to make this point, give you my free will, right? Now, right after that, and I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew, and I know that I know that I know that I know God has set me free. I know that. And you know what? He turned right around and dumped something else in my lap and told me, now I want this. And you know what? Okay, Lord, because you know what? For the rest of my life, he told me, I'm going to keep coming after things that shouldn't be in your life until the last breath you breathe. And the difference is whether you let me have it or not. That's all. That's the difference, right? In the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, God's presence was kept enclosed in the Holy of Holies. No one dared approach the Holy of Holies except the high priest, and he did so only with great, a great deal of preparation. If anyone else dared to intrude into the Holy of Holies, that person would fall dead. One of the biggest problems that the church faces today, ding, 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 this is important. One of the biggest problems that the church faces today is that relatively few Christians are conscious of the fact that God himself is in them, indwelling in their hearts and bodies as his temple. They're living their lives. They're making a paycheck. There's nothing wrong with earning a living. Amen? But it depends on what place that has in your life. Amen? Um, I, I'm just, I'm not throwing rocks at anybody. I'm just saying that, man, you know, I, I, I'd set my life up so that the giving in my life, I don't have to think about it. It's just done automatically. Why? Because there was a time in my life when I had control of it and I didn't always do it right. So I took measures to get it right and then let it ride. <laughs> Amen? I just let it ride. All right? And I want to tell you that this is the per capita the most giving church I've ever pastored. You look around you. Is there, is there like the large crowd that Jesus fed the five? No, it's not. But if it wasn't for the faithfulness of these handful of people, you know, we carry on business just like about any other church. We do it tight. I'm not going to lie to you. We do it tight. Matter of fact, um, I say, but Lord, we don't have much breathing room. He says, well, how much room do you need to breathe? You understand what I'm saying? If we can conduct the business of the church and keep moving forward and live through this dry time, because that's what it is. The pandemic is a dry time. Just think what God's going to do when this is over with. He's going to honor your faithfulness. He's going to honor your giving. Amen? All right. If men and women were conscious of God in them as his temple, they wouldn't talk and act as they sometimes do. God help us all. Amen? Some Christians constantly talk about their lack of power and their lack of ability. So, well, what's wrong? What's wrong, you know? I've had people in churches in the past where, you know, you'd ride this roller coaster. We went in one church from everything from God raising up a crippled woman all, you know, for off the ground and hurt, hitting the ground, dancing and, and being healed. And then, and then we went a while without any miracles like that, right? People want to ask, you know, what's wrong? What's wrong? You know, there's a lack of power. You know, there's a lack of ability in our part. If, if we realize that God is in us, we would know that nothing is impossible. Wouldn't ride a roller coaster. 
on these things. And this is just, I mean, do not belittle the Holy Ghost that you get when you get saved. Amen? Don't think for one minute that the lies of the devil are true, that the people who are spirit-filled Christians and praying tongues are better than you are. If that's not you, if you're not that kind of person, they're not better than you. You have the same Holy Ghost came in you, right, And when you got saved. And if you have an understanding of that, you have a faith in that, even Jesus said, if you have the faith of a grain of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be thou cast into the sea, and it will be done for you. Notice it didn't mention one word about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Not one. They have their place. They're very important but they don't make people better than other people. The gifts of the Spirit doesn't make one person better than another. Do you get that? Do you understand that? Now, we're going to, I'm going to hit hard, then fill into the Holy Spirit. You get what I'm hitting this hard, am I not? And I'm going to give the same kind of energy and blessing of the Holy Ghost of the teaching on being filled with the Holy Spirit to overflowing. Amen? But right now we're talking about this Holy Ghost that comes to live in us. Like I said, some Christians constantly talk about their lack of power and their lack of ability, but if they realize that God is in them, they would know that nothing is impossible. Instead of believing what the Bible says, too many believers believe only in what they feel. For example, when people are born again, they feel wonderful. I mean, I felt wonderful when I got saved, right? But many times later, they say, I had a wonderful experience when I got saved, but God must have left me because I don't feel that way anymore. How many of you know we're saved by what? Oh, it doesn't say we're saved by feelings? No. Mm. It's the gift of God. Amen? Lest any man should boast. Right? We're going to talk more about feelings next week. Mm, I like that. Jesus said in John 14, 16, that the Holy Spirit may abide with you forever. We've got to learn that. Remember this, the Holy Spirit did not come as a guest to stay for just a few days. He doesn't take up residence and then go on vacation. He came to dwell in you, to be at home in you forever. The Holy Spirit's home in this life is in your body, God's temple. Think about that now. Well, you know, say he's God. He's everywhere. Is that more important than the fact that he's inside this frame? You know, I may be old or older, as Ricky says. A little chunky. A little chunky. You know what I'm saying? I may be a little chunky. Every now and then I eat things I ain't supposed to eat or whatever. I mean, yeah. Listen to me. The God of the universe dwells in here. The spirit of a man is the candle of the Lord. You will not find that in the English Standard Version. You only find that phrase in the King James Version. And you wonder why I love the King James Version so much. No words to me are more easily understood than those words. The spirit of the man is the candle of the Lord. Right? And when God comes into the life of a man or a woman by jinkies, he lights that candle. He lights that candle. Amen? He lights that candle. The Holy Spirit's home in this life is in your body, God's temple. This truth should make scriptures come to life for you. 
But see, if we're not leaning on that truth that the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of me, you know, I'm telling you, when you're more God conscious about him being on the inside, it helps you keep your hands closer to your body and not, you understand, putting them where they don't belong. Amen. Letting your eyes wonder where they shouldn't go. Letting your money go places it shouldn't go. Amen. You have to say amen or oh me. Right? In Mark chapter 9, verse 23, and this is in closing. You should be excited about that. Nathan's not here to mock me tonight when I say that. Tammy, my youngest son will make a clicking noise over there or something when I say in closing because he grew up in my home and he heard me say in closing too many times. But this is truth. Like in Mark 9, 23, and Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. You need to go to Mark chapter 9 before you go to bed tonight. Go to 23 and read a few verses leading up to that and a few verses after it. I only put this little section in to make you hungry. Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Now, I'll tell you right now. For the child of God who's come into this truth. Now, if you walk out of here tonight and you go home and you lay your head to rest and you forget about what was said here tonight, nothing's going to change. Nothing is going to change. You hear me? If you forget about what was said in this room tonight, I did not come here just to make you chuckle. I did not come here just to say something that, wow, that sounds good. You know me, and you know that's not why I preach this gospel. Amen? Man, I want the Holy Ghost to take this word and burn it down on the inside of you and, and, and emblazon it upon the pages of your heart that you never forget you're God's property because you gave your life to him. If you want to remain deaf, dumb, and blind, you can choose to do that. You can choose to do it. You say, Brother Dennis, my life is already too complicated without me having to strive for this truth being manifest in my life. You know, you're one prayer away from the Holy Spirit helping you to understand these things. And um, I'm telling you, 65 years old in this last week, this one thing, you know, nagged and gnawed at me. You know what? Now, that, look, look, you can say, well, Brother Dennis, are you sure you want to talk so much about this? Because maybe it's not, no, it's over. Do you hear me? I've been set free. I've been delivered. I've been set free. It's over. Now it makes me wonder what hurdles and speed bumps and walls have been blown away to what God wants to do next. I'm, I'm telling you, yes, sister, I'm, I'm telling you, there's no limit. There's just no limit. You know, um, I, I recently went to that city council meeting, and um, now that's the seat of our local government. I'm telling you, it was a circus. Demonic forces were in that place. I'm telling you, it was crazy. It was crazy. It's amazing that they can get anything done in that place. And I was responding to something that was posted on the Internet about some Christians were going to meet there that night and pray for the city council. So, you know what? I called Ruthie. I said, I'm over here by the city council. I'm going to the city council. I'm going to find those people, and I'm going to pray with them. I never found them. They were not there. 
And if they were there, they were there for political reasons and wanted people to show up so that their agenda could be met. And I would have happily learned what their, their agenda was, but I couldn't find them. I could not find the people of God in that place. You don't have to attend every city council meeting, but I do want to encourage you to find out what dates they meet and never let a night go by that they're meeting that you don't pray. Because if we don't do that, we're giving our blessing to any and everything they want to do and everything they want to say. And it's time for the children of God to put stop that. Amen? You ever wondered, when, in, you know, look, look. I, I told you this story, and, and this is it. Or Nathan and Leah will be right. I don't know how to close, right? Young pastor in a church, and um, my, I was making little of nothing trying to feed my babies. I had two children, two little ones, and one on the way, right? And um, I'd been at this church for a while, and, and basically, it, it, I'm not joking, it was starving time. I mean, we were barely living hand to mouth, right? You ever been there? Yeah, you know, as a matter of fact, God, you keep them humble, and we'll keep them poor, <laughs> you know? And um, so I said to Ruthie, I said, I'm going to go get a second job. She goes, what do you do? I said, well, I think I'm going to go deliver pizzas knowing in my heart of heart that one day I'd deliver a pizza to one of those people in the church. And they'd know I was out there delivering pizzas, right? Notice I didn't ask them for permission to go get a second job. I went and got it. When you got to feed your children, you do what you need to do. Amen? Well, after I'd been delivering pizzas for a while, I finally did deliver a pizza to somebody in the church. And... Uh, they wanted to pray with me right away. And in the prayer, they told God how proud they was of me for, for, for being willing to take on a second job. Nothing about the people of God rising up to help their pastor, you know. And, and you know what? That's okay. If I sound bitter, you're listening to the wrong me, all right? I'm not bitter. Why? Because I, I saw through that whole time how God took care of us. Through, we never, my kids didn't go hungry, you know. Uh, Look at me and my boys. You know we didn't starve. All right, and having said that, one night I was delivering a pizza between these two houses. I had to go down a dark alley because there was an apartment above a garage in the back and there was a big bright light on. And the biggest and the meanest and the baddest dog I ever faced in my life came out of the dark and pinned me up against that wall, me and the pizza, Right? I'm going, dear Jesus, dear Jesus. And I heard this voice yell out to me, don't worry, kid, he only bites preachers. I got off the wall, walked back there, delivered the pizza, and walked out, and I was upset. I said, God, that dog did not bite me. Does he know something about me that I don't know? Isn't that a logical question? You know? He said he only bites preachers, didn't bite me. Look, I want to say those kinds of things to you to say this. You know, only God gives a call. Don't matter what a dog says. It don't matter what anybody said. No demon of hell. No, what a God gives the call. God gives the call. Amen. And if this book says that God came to set up housekeeping in you, and you're now that place where in the Old Testament, outside of grace, people drop dead in the presence of God. And now that same God lives in you. Do everything in your power 
to make him feel welcome. Give him everything he asks for. Amen. Stand up with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I want to thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Father, that this very night we came into this place, and I believe with all of my heart we have heard your word for this hour. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that as a body at Life Spring Bible Church, part of the bride of Christ, the family of God, Lord, may we, uh, when we leave this place tonight, may we not forget this word. May we dwell upon it. May we feed upon it. May we pray daily that you help us to remain conscious every minute of our lives, every day of our lives, every week of our lives, every month, every year, until you come back to get us or call us home. Remind us to be conscious of your presence in our life. Multiply and grow our faith. Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Our Lord, we're just asking for the grain of a mustard seed. I think it'd be pretty impressive to call a mountain from where it is to be cast into the sea if we needed to do that. I can think of many, many more important things that need to be done than casting mountains into the sea. Father, in Anchorage, starting right here locally, there are thousands and thousands that need to come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior of their lives. We cannot force them to receive Jesus, but we can pray for the most favorable of circumstances and that the Holy Spirit would increase efforts to draw on their heartstrings, Father. And Father, remind us that you're on the inside of us and that if we use the words of our mouth and the actions and deeds of our bodies, Father, May it touch the lives of others and make them hungry for Jesus. And may we exercise faith in the fact that you're on the inside there and there's nothing that you ask us about that we, uh, is impossible to yield to you, that we can't give you. Lord, if you ask us for it, you want to receive it from us. May we yield, Father, quickly, Lord, to the unction of your Holy Spirit within us, the temple of the Holy Ghost. Give you everything you want, Father. And, Lord, we know then that uh, obstacles began to fall. Chains began to break, Father, in Jesus' name. And, Lord, mountains began to move, Father. Lord, that city council thinks they're the God of this city, that they've got the final word over everything that happens, but they don't. Lord, I know you do. And we bind together in the mighty name of Jesus to declare in this place tonight that we know you do. You call the shots. As we pray to you, you call the shots. Father, in Jesus' name, every home represented in this room may not be filled with your peace yet. But as we pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, may you fill our dwelling places because we know uh, the first thing that we read uh, is that you're for us and you're with us is the second thing, and that you're in us. We can't go wrong, Father. It means that what we make a matter of prayer and what we bathe in faith towards you, it will be done. It will be done. Turn the church back to you, Father, we pray in Jesus' name throughout this nation. Forgive us of our sins. Heal us, Father. Mm, hear our prayers, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you for the great revival. We haven't let a service go by, Father, without talking about the great revival. And I believe more now than ever, Lord, you're, you're establishing it in our lives because you're feeding us truth and we're responding it, to it. 
Lord, forgive us, all of us in this room that have ever withheld something from you that you asked for. May we be quick, Father, to respond to anything you put your finger to, Father, in our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you and fellowship together before you leave.